This is Hungry Gen Podcast, and I just want to thank you for joining us today. Here at HG, our vision is to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going to take a look at the, what it means to have a role of a wife in a marriage uh, when it comes to a biblical teaching and why the Lord created a woman and how did she come about? <laughs> so something that's been trending on TikTok called uh, Tread Wife. Traditional Wife. Which stands for Traditional Wife. It's actually becoming popular now on TikTok. And not that we take cues from TikTok. But I find it interesting that the role of a traditional wife is becoming more trending. And a lot of traditional type of wives who take that role begin to go online and share their experience that it's actually not as bad as the culture makes it to seem. So we will look at five roles in the Bible concerning wives in marriage. Now remember this is different than women in the marketplace, in school or in business. We're dealing specifically with marriage. Now for those of you who are single or you are not married, you're like man wrong Sunday I came to church. No, 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 no. I want you to listen and pay attention closely so that you will know what is the biblical role of a wife and if you are a woman so that you know what you're getting yourself into. What does the Bible expect that? One of the biggest things that marriages fight about is these unconscious roles or unconscious rules that exist that people bring into a relationship that a lot of times do not conform to the scripture. So the first one is this, a wife is a partner with her husband to rule over creation. Now what I did not say is a wife is a partner to rule over her husband. Nor I didn't say also that the wife is to be ruled by her husband. I want us to look at the scripture and so we have a scripture in the back and for those of you who are watching um, there are scriptures that are going to be dropped the link where you can follow the notes. In Genesis 1 27 through 28 it says the following, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Okay, male and female he created them. Let me just pause it for a second. God created in the beginning distinctions between a male and a female. Our culture today tries to wash and blur the lines between the male and female. Also in our culture there has been very common thing this transgender ideology where you can transition from the male into a female or from the female into a male. Now I do respect the struggle that some teenagers can experience called gender dysphoria. A lot of teenagers struggle with their identity and some fall into that and the culture instead of helping teenagers to navigate this struggle simply yield to it and provide hormonal blockers or puberty blockers and surgeries to try to cave into these struggles. As the scripture teaches us, the Bible tells us Christians are renewed, transformed by the renewing of their mind. So what is a gender dysphoria is? Is when you don't feel or in your mind you don't feel what your body biological sex was given to you at your birth. As a Christian you go to Christ, you go to God's Word and God helps us to change this, not to change that. 
So it's completely different. The culture says let's go and mutilate parts of the body that are actually functioning well. Because you have confusion here. We come to the scripture and the Bible says no actually let's work with this. Let's work with our thoughts. Let's work with our minds. Let's work with our emotions. Let's bring them into God's kingdom. And so that's just the difference. And the Bible says this that God bless them. Let me say something. God blesses your biological sex. God created you and He designed for you to be born this way. Now you might say, but I don't like it like that. We submit to God and we believe that He created us and God blessed them, the Bible says. And then He said to them this, be fruitful and multiply. Now be fruitful doesn't mean grow apple trees. Be fruitful, the God doesn't mean like, hey, go garden. That's, that's not what this means. The God isn't against gardening. Be fruitful means, and I'm just going to speak in plain language, means husband and wife have sex and make babies. And multiply, meaning make sure that you have more babies than two because when both of you die, so there's at least more than two that continue on the earth. So like four. My grandma has 16. God bless her heart. Took this verse literally. But by the way, there's nothing wrong with having just two children. Yeah, yeah. yeah we just want to make it clear, okay? Because husband's like, yeah, honey, I've been telling you, man. I want a soccer team. Pastor is speaking the truth right now. So we're, this is not, we're not telling how many people, how many kids y'all should have. Um, each person should have as much as they want to have and as much as they feel in their heart what God gives them for. But the clear assignment is to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, meaning God says, this is, I find it interesting. God makes everything on this earth and then he makes only one human being then he makes a second human being out of that one human being and then God stops making human beings God stops making people and he says now you guys go make more people you're like God that's your planet you go make more people God's like no I'm gonna make you need each other to populate this planet and then not only to populate planet but I want you to populate heaven for me and I'll give you this assignment and the way you're gonna make more human beings is gonna be really fun we won't describe that you can google that and so but you're gonna make these human beings through physical intimacy and then you're gonna make a lot of human beings you know more human beings on this earth and then God says this have dominion now at first he's like yeah that's right I'm gonna have dominion over my children Nah, that's not what the Bible says. Have dominion over the fish, over the birds. So meaning we have dominion over God's creation. We were given authority not to have dominion over each other, but over God's creation. And we are partners, husband and wife are partners in what? In dominion over the planet. And we are partners in the fact that we are supposed to multiply the human race and fill and populate heaven. Now someone's like, man, the earth is already overpopulated. Not really. Oh, like, but heaven isn't overpopulated and God wants us to have children. Children are a gift from God. The culture kills children. The culture discards children. God loves children. All of us one day were children. And so we have to have a high regard for children and a husband and wife should partner together for that. Now, when a woman was made, the Bible says that a woman came out of a rib of a man. Could you read that statement of what that means? Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, mm -hmm. he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. 
Women were created from the rib of a man to be beside him, mm-hmm. not from his head to top him, nor from his feet to be trampled upon, but from under his arm to be protected by him, near to his heart to be loved by him. I love this quote because that's how the Lord made a woman to be beside partners. the man, partners, uh-huh. partnering in life together, not above him, beneath him, but partners Come and on. to be protected by him. Come on, yep. partners for life. <laughs> the second role. Number two role, wife is a helper to her husband. Now this is interesting because God created a wife to be helping her husband. It's not diminishing role. That simply indicates my husband needs help. <laughs> Can you imagine? At first I did not realize that, but then I realized he actually needs my help, okay? And this is a very maybe silly to you an example that I get, I'm going to bring up from our marriage, but look at Pastor Vlad. He's so clean, his t-shirt is iron, very handsome taking care of his hair is calm, like looks nice, right? Come on. Yes. But yes, I was the one that helped him to iron his shirt, to match his outfit simply because he has no sense of style. He cannot put clothes together. And that's just him. Some guys do. Okay. But why is it important in our marriage? And we were just such a wonderful match because I have style, okay? At least I think I do. Yes, you do. Because, now it's important to us because this guy is literally in front of the camera 24-7. And he needed a wife. He needed my help in this area to help him to like put all of those things together. And I'm just so happy he kind of like allows me to do that, okay? It's his job, it's his calling to speak in front of thousands of people and he has to look good, okay? And wives, your man needs help. Maybe in a different area, do not disregard yourself as a helper. This is a very serious role. When you recognize that, and men, allow your wives to actually help you. Don't be stubborn. Don't think, don't think you're all macho. You don't need help. Even God thinks you do need help, right? And tell us, uh, tell us about what helper actually is. So the word helper in Hebrew that's used for a wife is the word ezer. Ezer is the word that is used 21 times in the Old Testament. 16 out of which is used for God. So think about it, wives, your role of a helper is really the role that God took in the Old Testament to help His people. The Lord is my helper. You know, we use that phrase and so that's the same word. So the idea that, um, you know, I'm going to live only for His happiness. I'm going to live, He has a purpose. I don't have any purpose. My only purpose is in helping my husband. That has nothing to do with that. What it has to do with is that your husband needs help and God fills you with gifts and abilities to be able to contribute to him as well as a person. And so, and I think this helps us as husbands as well to realize that we need help. You know, when I was getting married, like I knew I needed help, but not like a lot of help. I was thinking more my wife needs help. 
And I was like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to help her. I'm going to help her to be a woman of God. I'm going to help her to love Jesus. And, and in that regard, I am helping her. And so, but in few, few things, and one of them is definitely um, matching my clothes. The other one is in the area of generosity. Uh, the other one, and then there's many. We can go down the list. But those things that I thought, when she was bringing me help, I was like, God, I can live without those things. I live without those things. I will be fine. And so on one trip, I went by myself, you know, and I'm like, man, I can iron my own clothes. And I can. Every guy probably should iron his own clothes. And I don't know if it was, I was mothered too much or something, but I never end up um, ironing most of my clothes. So I go to um, one of my trips and, you know, I take the ironer and um, get the stuff ready. I didn't have to YouTube it because I was like, I mean, I knew you turn it on. You just flip it upside down. You just iron it. And so this shirt, I get one particular shirt. Uh, the problem with it is it should have not been ironed. I think it's supposed to be steamed. I burned the whole thing to the ground. So I got on fire and so I ended up not having a shirt to wear for my tripping, for my preaching <laughs> trip. And uh, so I had to use like one of the shirts and, and, and I texted my wife and I was like, man, I, she's like, well, you don't iron that. And I was like, well, how was I supposed to know? Like, and I bought him shirts specifically so when he goes on a trip, he doesn't have to iron them. So I want to prove that, you know, like, I got this. <laughs> I don't need a woman, you know, I, 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 I can iron myself. Turns out that thing didn't need to be ironed. And so it made a mess and, um, and yes, I've learned that in some regards um, I need help and my wife has been a, a great helper. But what I found out a lot of times is very difficult to receive help from a woman or to receive a help from a man because in the areas we need help are the areas in our, of our differences. And those are the areas we are usually opposites in and we typically end up chewing each other out because we don't want to accept that help. We want to prove that we don't need help in that area. So for example, sometimes I know that it was in the area of finances. I always bought cheap things because they were not expensive. So in my mind, I always look at the price, I look at our budget and you know, I do everything legit logically. My wife is the opposite. She buys nice things because she wants quality and she wants to buy it once in three years and I buy once in three months and end up buying it many times. Why? Because it keeps breaking apart or it keeps being worn. And so when we got married and my wife would go and try to buy, we're not talking about some brand clothes. We're talking about just better quality. And I was like, that's so expensive. And she's like, yeah, but you're going to buy once and you buy it for a few years and or you're going to do like you've been doing, buying it every few months because you keep buying cheap. And so we would fight over that until I had to honestly, in this regard, allow her to help me in this regard and say, hey, you know what, let's do it this way and let's just buy less but buy a better quality instead of buying many times because I'm cheap. Mm -hmm. And our differences, they are meant to complement each other's spouses, not to bring the conflict. Mm -hmm. Now, in the beginning, we all know that opposites, obviously, men and women are so opposite and that attracts, right? Yeah. But later on, opposites begin to attack each other because of the differences. And there is a process of learning that those differences are not there to uh, separate you, but they are there to complement you. And if we are humble enough to learn that, yeah. to embrace the differences of each other, to complement each other with those differences, it will, it will, just, uh, it will uh, take your marriage to another level. That's yep. right. Learning to so complement each other. A wife is a partner. A wife is a um, helper, helper 
to her husband again it does not mean she's less than in absolute in any way because that would mean that god is less than mm -hmm. humans if he's helping humans that's absolutely not the truth um and number three is a wife is a crown to her husband now the culture says a man is the head a wife is the neck and some wives take pride in that i'm the neck that indicates control because a neck really controls the head decides where the head goes and so some wives have adopted that role and they say i'm the neck i am gonna control him that's a jezebel spirit the bible does not give a wife a role of a neck the bible gives a wife a role of a crown on the head so wives the scripture elevates you higher than the culture this would be a good place to say amen but it's okay um the wife the scripture elevates you to a crown meaning it's a place of glory it's a place of honor it's a place of recognition do not steep down to the view of culture i am the neck i'm gonna control him and everything no 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 that, that stuff does it's not good that's 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 a culture the scripture says you are a crown on your wife's head let's read that verse proverbs 12 4 an excellent wife is the crown of her husband but she who causes shame is like retinas in his bones wow that's pretty strong language right it's almost like it's either a crown or cancer yes and this is what cancer equals to in this concept that we're talking the area about of marriage. criticism a woman criticizes her husband all the time another one is making fun of him comparing him to other men you know could you be a little bit more like my dad could you be a little bit more man i wish you could be making as much money as this person is making i wish you could be more spiritual mm. that's a big one wake up a little bit earlier lead our whole family in devotions because look that's what the bible calls you to be a priest in the house you're not a priest in the house then disrespecting him publicly that's huge um belittling him in front of the kids shaming him for not being spiritual enough always lecturing and nagging at him always complaining and being negative controlling manipulating with tears and withholding sex now wife when you withhold sex from your husband you are making him feel humiliated on the inside he might not show you but that crushes uh, your husband's like inner being that's how serious it is we're not in here i don't think the bible encourages we're not talking about abuse or that you become a doormat what we're simply advocating for is this is that a wife we will deal with husbands next week but a wife to be the one to understand you have so much power yes. think about it eve influenced her husband adam to bluntly disobey God and the guy followed Abigail influenced David from bloodshed the guy was about to go kill the whole family and he was in his mind he justified it and Abigail didn't come and say you bloodthirsty murderer what are you about to do are you crazy David you crazy man no that's not what she did Abigail came and says David you're a man of destiny the prophetic words were spoken over your life. I mean, you are a man of integrity. 
But you're about, you're such a great man about to do such a stupid thing. You don't need to do that. God is going to exalt you. And that weirdo, who was actually her husband, who is disrespected you, that guy is not going to make it. But you don't have to do that. And David sp spoke back to Abigail and he says, God has sent you and your advice and your wisdom has kept me back from making a mistake. If your husband is in the wrong, you can guide him into the right, but not by criticizing, shaming, belittling, embarrassing. And I know sometimes that's how a woman would feel, you know, feel a little bit disrespected or feel like, you know, she's not loved. You're like, man, I'm going to get him. I'm going to let him have it. I'm going to correct him. I'm going to change him. But even the Holy Spirit, think about it. The Holy Spirit doesn't even do that to us. Holy Spirit, when He changes us, He convicts us of one particular behavior, but in a way that actually wants us to change instead of coming in and saying, you moron, you terrible human, heat and horrible person. Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The devil does that. And so when we do that, we'll get, what happens is we actually partner with the devil and we can destroy a marriage. How do you go about if your spouse is unbelieving? So 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1 and this is very important. Wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands that even if some who do not obey the word, they, the husbands, without a word may be won by the constant nagging of their wives. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> by the conduct of their wives. That means these women in this verse were having husbands who were not Christians. They didn't go with them to church. Instead, they just watched football in the morning or went to play golf. And the husband, the wives were like, man, how do I get my husband to come to church? How do I get my husband to love Jesus? And Peter doesn't say, just go and anoint the, the house with virgin oil and you know, like, and spray hose him with oil and like, get the demon out of your husband. Because some would be like, that's the solution. I need to get my husband delivered. And maybe that's true. Your husband probably needs deliverance. 100% nobody's doubting that. But the way you get to the point where your husband actually comes to deliverance is one, you don't leave your husband just because he's not a Christian. Number two is stop lecturing him. After you've told him about Jesus, after you've told him about your testimony, after you've told him that, and after that the Bible says maybe without even a word but with your conduct you can win your husband. A husband is usually not an idiot. When he knows that the wife is changed and the wife has an encounter with God who he does not like at this moment or doesn't believe in, at first he's like, you know what, that's cool, I'm glad you found religion, good, but that's not for me. You really want to get his attention? Be different. Be honoring. When he is wrong, be loving. Be prayerful. That changes, that gets anybody's attention. That really will and can, can transform it. That's what the Holy Bible says. Uh, one woman was trying to divorce her husband. Went to a lawyer and said, I'm divorcing my husband. And he said, okay, how do you want to go about it? He's like, well, I'm ready to divorce him today. I create the paperwork. I'm going to submit the paperwork and give him the paperwork so he signs it. I'm done with him. That joker, he's horrible. I made a mistake marrying him. The lawyer says, I have a proposal for you. What if you would, for the next three months, don't nag, don't complain, don't fight, be nice, be kind, compliment your husband, respect him on the good things that he does, leave the bad things he does alone, and do all of that for three months, and after three months, shock him with the divorce news. 
he will not know what hit him because he will get used to you being nice and then you're like I'm divorcing you it's gonna hurt him so bad and he says that will hurt him more the wife's like I like that because I want to hurt him more so if this can help me to hurt him more let's do it so they both agreed in three months you hurt him more by being nice first and then throw the divorce paper at him so she goes home one month passes second month passes she does exactly what they agreed with the attorney and the third third month she actually doesn't call the attorney so the attorney follows up with the phone call and says hey um with a divorce i mean when are you coming so that we can finalize the, the divorce and the wife says what divorce we are on our second honeymoon <laughs> and she changed her husband by being respectful and being kind now does this mean that every single marriage is going to be fixed like that no but i do believe more marriages could benefit if we will stop being a rottenness in the bones that's really what the bible describes these are not my words i wouldn't have the audacity to say that um, but the scripture says but and we become the crown it was ruth graham said it is not your job to change your husband it is god's job to make him good it is your job to love your husband and again uh we might ask but why why is this conduct of a wife can possibly change my husband you have to understand one thing that the primary need of a man is honor and respect and if you don't give that to him it's very hard to function for him as a man but if you start to kind of like feed that and actually give him honor and respect you know you can give honor and respect without saying a word yeah. a man will feel it yeah. from his wife yeah. and when you do that this is when man's like you know what i don't want to lose this kind of woman yeah. because they need that honor and respect just like as women need security yeah. and love yeah. this is how men need honor and respect and it's huge it's huge like i remember you know i get compliments from people but from my wife i get affirmation you know a thousand people can say a great sermon but my wife and my wife says that like that's my bread when y'all say that that's a gum i chew it i'm like this tastes good and i gotta spit it out i can't swallow this but when my wife says that it's different and so and a lot of times after the sermon i'm gonna ask her how did i do and you know and if she's gonna uh, she's and, and i know when she's lying I know when she's trying to be nice and sometimes she just tries to faith it you know faith it till she makes it you know and or or when she gives me a flattery flattery is not the same thing but when she genuinely you know begins to say hey this was really impactful there were sermons that after I preached them I wanted to quit ministry I was like I ain't preaching again for the rest of my life I'm not called to do this I can't put my words together I don't even know why I'm doing this and everything and so like it just I got so discouraged because I'm normal a human being who sometimes gets bombarded with all kinds of lies of the enemy and so and then I would you know get in the car and I was saying man I, I felt like I was pushing a semi truck up the hill and then I didn't have the energy to put it over the hill so the semi truck ran me over and I'm dead <laughs> she's like wow that's an interesting illustration and she's like who why are you describing your sermon as a semi truck and it ran you over I was like that's exactly how I feel and she'd be like you kidding me He's like, that was the, one of the best messages I've heard. This was so incredible. It touched so many people's lives. She's like, I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, you did? And I'm literally like a kid in a candy store. And I was like, tell me more, woman of God. 
I was like, deliver this heat and <laughs> right now. Like, lay your hands on me right now. Like, I mean, I'm like, save me, heal me, deliver me. You know, I'm just, talk to me. Just, and so on. She would, you know, take a few minutes and she would, you know, say those words. And next thing, I, next thing I would be like, you know what? I actually think I'm called to preach. <laughs> I'm going to do it again next Sunday. I'm going to show up again next Sunday. And this is, a, this, some of you are laughing and you think I'm exaggerating. I'm actually not exaggerating. This is huge and if my wife would after that message would come around and say honestly I don't even know what you're doing there you're terrible you're horrible like those things they will hurt way deeply a critic can do a video there are, I have critics right now who actually have nothing else to do with their life but devote their whole channel to trying to destroy me they can do that I absolutely do not lose sleep that doesn't touch me because I don't know them but when the person I am this close with who will not honor and respect that and some of you may say well you know it's easier for Lana to do that because look you're changing people's lives it has nothing she's not doing that because I'm changing people's lives she's doing that because she's an honorable woman wives the reason why you honor your husband is not because always your husband is the honorable man it's because you're an honorable woman and again we have you to could be fixing toilets yeah it makes no difference your attitude is what changes that man and we have to learn that it, it you, you're not born with this amazing wife you you right away this amazing woman of God no you learn we learn and this is why we're here we're learning to be godly wives and godly women did it come easy for you to um, honor me in that regard Yes, I would say so. I was remembering. I was remembering. Yeah, I, I am a <laughs> daughter scary. of a pastor, so I kind of already knew I had respect for my father, and it kind of transferred. But mm -hmm. there were moments that I had to learn. Mm -hmm. I, I did mistakes. I said wrong things. I disrespected him a few times like not on purpose but then I caught myself I'm like mm. oh my gosh I cannot do that to my man okay he's a man <laughs> so yeah mm -hmm. all right all right thank you baby thank you you're welcome oh praise <laughs> Jesus <laughs> amen number four now let's go a little bit deeper a wife is to submit to her husband now this is um this is hard for some people to swallow we live in a culture today where first of all American culture you know is not necessarily very honoring of submission I mean we rebelled against the Great Britain and praise God we did that because we got our independence in 4th of July uh, you know 1960s this whole Jesus hippie uh, not Jesus the hippie movement Jesus movement came out of that honestly it was really made a rebellion a virtue um, as humans we're just rebels uh, we follow the dark one the devil and he rebelled against God and then he turned us to rebel against God so we rebellion is kind of like our second nature it's so much easier to do that so the idea of submitting just the idea of submitting it sounds scary it sounds like oh my goodness you're gonna make me to do something I don't want to do I'm gonna be less than I'm making I'm being made a doormat heck no that's not gonna happen and so we have this very huge fear when it comes to uh, submission but a few things that I want to remind each one of us is the Bible does say first Peter chapter 3 verse 1 wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands now some of you may say well Vlad you know this part of the scripture probably should be updated but is it maybe it's our lives that should be changed not the scripture and I understand maybe you're the woman in here and you're like man but this is the part that is difficult but in Ephesians chapter 5 this is what the scripture says wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife and then the Bible gives us an example 
as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as church is subject to Christ, so let the wives also be to their own husbands in everything. Now, the word submission in the Greek is hypotasso, which means to be placed under or to be arranged under. It's often used in military when one person puts himself under the command of a leader and is presented as something that is of a voluntary choice you do, so it's not forced. Submission is not something that a husband can demand. Guys, listen very carefully. Submission is not something that a husband demands of his wife. The moment you have to tell, submit to me, you're wrong. Submission is something a wife gives to her husband of her own decision. Husband doesn't take it and husband doesn't demand it. It's Christ who commands that submission. Now, before we get a little bit, you know, sensitive about this, I want you to see something. In Godhead, we as Christians believe there are three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now many of us think is that in the Trinity, as we see now, we see that in the Trinity, many of us think that what's happening in the Trinity is they just simply vote. Because they're all equal. God the Father, God the Son and the Spirit, they're all equal. God the Father is not greater than God the Son. God the Son is not greater than God the Spirit. They're all equal. Yet Jesus submitted to the Father. Yet He was one with the Father. The Spirit glorifies Jesus yet he is one with Jesus. So they're equal yet they submit to one another. Jesus submits to the Father and we see the Spirit glorifies Jesus. So God who created the humans, he created us kind of like the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. We have a husband, wife and we have children. We're all equal in the family but God tells us to have a chain of command not to belittle us and not to make us less than and he's giving us his own example and he says guys watch this I the Father, we have Jesus, we have the Spirit, we're in unity, we love each other, we are equal but in the Trinity there is a like a chain of command it's from the Father through the Son by the Spirit. It's not rock paper scissors. The Trinity doesn't have majority rule. It, it works in a conjunction with unity and on some decisions the Father calls the, for the action, the Son submits to the Father and then the Father gives all the glory and all the honor to the Son and He says the Son's name is above every name on the earth. If you don't, if you reject the Son, you're gone. You're gonna go to hell if you reject the Son. And so Father glorifies the Son and then the Spirit comes and glorifies the Son and Jesus and the Father says, you say something against the Holy Ghost? We're not gonna forgive you. You see people, you see the persons keep glorifying each other yet there is a chain of command in the Trinity as it's revealed to us in the plan of redemption. Mm -hmm. So then the Father comes to us and says, guys, you really wanna get along while you're equal? Here's how. Learn from us. So good. Well, most of us say, no, I know better. But see, you've lived here for 50, 60, 70 years. We don't know better. They've existed for eternity. They don't have fights. They don't have arguments. And yet they have a chain of command. It seems like, and there is equality there. So I want us to learn from our Father, how He relates with the Son and the Spirit, to relate in a similar way, similar way in our relationships. Now, some of you will say, I don't need the head in marriage. Anything without a head is a dead corpse. 
Others of you are like, no, we have two heads. Anything with two heads is a monster. We need a head. And the Bible makes it very clear. Who is the head? It's not somebody who has more degrees. Well, my wife has a PhD and I have a GED. <laughs> Therefore, in our marriage, the one with the PhD is the head. That's not what the scripture teaches. But she's smarter. That doesn't matter. When you're on the road, let me ask you a question. And you have a yield sign. Let's say I'm driving a semi-truck. All right? And you're driving a Hyundai or Kia. Okay, Honda. Let's give Corolla. A little tiny, nice. Or a bug. No, that uh, Volkswagen. Or whatever you're driving. Mercedes. I'm driving an 18-wheeler. Yield sign is on my road to yield to you. What if I will say, nope, I'm not, I'm not yielding to you. Why? Because I have 18 wheels and you have four. My car can crush yours. My car is bigger than yours. Plus... I don't like rules. <sighs> What's going to happen? We're going to have an accident. So God sets these rules in relationship. Not to limit us and control us. But to empower women, empower men to live being equal partners. Have a chain of command. And God says the same way we have it there, I want you guys to have it here and live in that perfect community. We overthrow God a lot of times, overthrow God's rules and we're like, we, we know better. We're going to do it our way. And next thing you know, those marriages don't last. And if they do, those people are like hyenas in the zoo. They are attacking each other, hurting each other, cursing each other. But why? Because God doesn't bless mess. God blesses order and God outlines this order not to belittle women. Absolutely not. When I yield to another car, it's not because my car is trash. Sometimes I can drive a nice car and I'm yielding to another one because there are rules in the road and that is the way we avoid accidents when we learn to yield when we have a yield sign. And God gives us those yield signs for church members to do that with their leaders for people to do that to the government when the government obeys God yeah. it's like paying taxes you know following the rules as long as those rules obey God and same thing in marriage now let's say that your husband wants you to do something immoral illegal or wrong do you obey him absolutely not you just you respectfully say I cannot do that it's contrary to the scripture but when it's things that are more of like house chores and other stuff we come to mutual agreement and when we cannot come to mutual agreement then we uh, wife says hey the final word is gonna rest with you but keep in mind if your husband makes a wrong decision God's gonna get him God's gonna judge him when and he, he's responsible yeah, he he's carries responsible. more responsibility so it's not necessarily that he's better he's actually more responsible I believe this is what's gonna happen when we die I think all the wives and the children are gonna go in one lane to heaven and there's gonna be a separate lane for all the men and God's gonna judge him way heavier Remember when Eve ate of the fruit, gave it to her husband? Guess who God came first to? You would think he would come to Eve because Eve was the one that ate first. No, God came to Adam and said, hey, what did you do? And Adam, like a lot of guys do, uh, not my fault, she. A lot of men, guess what they do? Is they shift responsibility instead of taking responsibility. But if you think that a man being the head simply means a woman is less than and a man is greater than absolutely not the only thing that greater with men in this regard is greater responsibility 
which means that God's gonna hold every man responsible for his family. I believe every father that left his kids, abused his wife, is gonna face severe, severe judgment before God. Why? Because all the tears that those kids had to go through, every, all of the stuff, guess who that goes on? I know this is not a popular message because a lot of us love daddy God, Jesus, Santa Claus. Kind of like he just loves us and I can do whatever I want. Destroy people's lives and not carry any responsibility. No, Christian message is this. A wife submits to her husband. A husband lays his life for his family and for his wife and takes care of his family. Yeah, but more is to come for men next Sunday, okay? So make sure your husband comes next Sunday, all right? Now, it's important to point out again, the order that God set up uh, as husband, as the head of, of, the, of his wife is for marriage. It's not for outside that woman must obey men. No, it's the wife that must obey and honor her husband. Because a woman can be a CEO of a huge company and men submits to her. That is absolutely normal. But when it comes to the family unit, when it comes to the husband and wife, God created a specific order and he blesses that order. Okay. And so one thing I would like to read for you guys to just kind of um, go off of what we were saying. Martha Montgomery in her series, The Godly Woman, shared, Submission does not imply an inferiority of a person, but only subordination to uh, in rank. As a person, you will be no more inferior to your husband than the citizen is to his government or Christ is to God. Yet the citizen is subordinate in rank to the governor. Christ is, in his humanity, was subordinate to God the Father. Okay, we're talking about the rank, not necessarily submission as the worth. Some of us know wives who do not obey, uh, I'm sorry, who do obey their husbands, but they're not truly submissive. A wife who does, uh, who obeys without respect is not in submission. You, you are to reverence and fear your husband. Now, fear and reverence in this, uh, is shown as respect, as we fear God. Not that we're afraid God or afraid of our husbands. We respect, we give them honor that they deserve, okay? And so, the church's reverence for Christ is our pattern. You may not agree with the decision in his position as a head. The mother who enforces her husband's uh, rules and disciplines but lets her children know that she does not agree with her husband is not respecting her husband before her children. Does this um, topic and does this idea of wives submitting to your husband, I mean, for you, how do you take that? Does that make you feel less than? No, I as a woman? absolutely not. It actually makes me feel secure knowing that the honor and respect that I would give him, placing him above myself, makes me feel secure, more secure than not. Because as a woman, I'm wired to be secure. I'm wired to have a protector, emotional and physical uh, protection from my husband and for me personally it it just makes me feel more secure and when I obey the word of God I can see the blessing upon our marriage you know I am not 
obeying my husband because he's God, okay? I am obeying my husband in giving him the final decision. If we disagree, I give him the final word and final decision. And this is how I honor him as a head of me, as a head of, of our family. And that does not make me less than in any way. That makes him more responsible. And if this is, how, if this is the order that God placed... I trust God that he knows better. I do not know better. And this is the attitude that I carry. I, I, I walk under, uh, you know, under God. We all do. And I try to obey him and trust that the Lord knows better. And the rules and uh, things that he told us to do and showed us an example, they actually work. They actually work. But in, the, in our marriage... This doesn't mean, um, you know, a wife submitted to her husband does not mean that I make all the decisions. In fact, a lot of times you make a lot of decisions and I'm asking you to make those decisions. And so, I mean, you always consult with yeah. me mm-hmm. and especially if it's a big decision, husbands do not, you know, disregard. You, you need your wife's help, trust me. 100%. She has senses, she has um, intuition. intuition that mm-hmm. men many times don't. And this yeah. is how we partner and work together. But if there is an issue that we strongly disagree on, okay, that means a wife must yield to her husband's final decision. But it's actually, it's very rare. We've we, had, we were trying to find a decision where we struggled because I also have developed huge respect for your intuition, for your um, your contribution to our marriage where sometimes I feel very strongly about something and uh, I come to you and you're like uh that's dumb I don't think that's I don't think that and then she you know pokes holes at all of my brilliant uh spiritual ideas and stuff and so and before you know I'll be like no girl you don't understand you didn't talk to God I've been fasting for the last 20 days so I I know better and then you know sometimes I what I would find out is actually my 21 day fasting did not do as much as you know her getting 21 minute nap you know because she would wake up and she's like God's you know gave me a vision and I was like no he doesn't speak to people who don't fast you know like I would say that but I kind of had those very self-righteous thoughts and so we were trying to figure out um, yesterday there was one decision where I felt very strong to give um, almost all the proceeds away from one real estate property and my wife wanted to give but not all of them and so she pretty much said, hey, I'm going to leave that decision with you, which that scared me right away because <laughs> I'm like, man, if I'm wrong. And I just simply trusted that he heard from God. Uh-huh. If I didn't, it didn't feel like it. You know, if you have intuition and you walk with the Lord, that does not mean God doesn't speak to your husband. Yeah. And this is where you yield. And yeah. this is where I had to trust him that he, the Lord spoke to him and I'm going to trust. But I do remember you mentioned and you said, you know, I don't mind us giving all the money and you being very generous with the kingdom of God but I remember something that my wife said she said I just want to know that I will not be forsaken abandoned or that you will not that you will be generous with me as you are generous with the kingdom of God and that just kind of hit me because in the Bible this says, husband love your wives as Christ loved the church the Bible doesn't say husbands love the church as Christ loved the church yeah, that, that, that is big because we and can be so generous with certain things mm-hmm. and yet a husband is not generous with his own wife. That's a big no-no. Yeah. 
And so, and I think with time also submission, you know, a lot of times, you know, in the, in the small areas, like, hey, we're going to eat. You're like Mexican, I like Italian. No, that's not how it is in our marriage. We don't, I don't even know what I like. Um, and so, and like, hey, so where do you want to go? You know, and my wife would say something and I'm like, eh, I'm not really interested, but hey, let's, let's go there. And so to really prefer to honor the wife in preferring what she would want. So this doesn't mean a wife submitted to her husband doesn't mean that husband always get what he gets what he wants because then the Bible tells the husband to lay his life for his wife. So technically it's really one person saying, hey, I'm going to submit to your leadership and the other person says, hey, I'm going to lay my life for you. It's like this beautiful cycle. You know yeah. how sometimes people have very uh, bad cycles. Mm -hmm. They attack each other yeah. and nobody can just be mature enough to stop the cycle, humble themselves. Yeah. But this is a beautiful cycle where, where a wife honors and gives the husband that almost like a pedestal, okay? That and honor, then uh -huh. a husband in return lays his life down, lives for his wife, for the good of his wife, provides for her, being generous with well, her. Lives for it's Jesus, just a beautiful, Not necessarily yes. for his wife, but yeah, lays his life for his family and for his wife, yes. Because husbands, we live for Jesus and, and the wife yes, honors yes, yes. the Lord. Assuming that we husband. all live for Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, when the feminist movement started in the beginning in Europe and the United States, it actually started really good in a sense, in a positive way, that a woman deserved to have equal rights, a voting opportunities, to have equal pay. If they do exactly the same job, they shouldn't be getting paid less than a man. And it's very, very good. But what has happened with the feminist movement, and I do want to address that, because a lot of women, unfortunately, have become pawns in the um, politically correct, a lot of that even um, that um, cultural thing that's been happening is this, is the feminist movement today has morphed into women don't need men. It has really pushed into promoting lesbianism, promoting homosexuality, promoting abortion, and blurring gender lines. Now, if you're not a Christian, the Bible is not God's word for you. God is not your authority, honestly. You're your own God. You make rules as you go. I wish you good luck, but you will stand before God and give an account for your life. If you are a Christian, you cannot take the cues from culture just because they make you look more tolerable and because you're afraid of the cancel culture and so you adopt the cues of the culture say no I just don't want to sound like those weirdos or like those people who just they seem to hate women they seem to you know transphobic and and they are uh, homophobic and they're and those I just want to be like the world but I also want to be a Christian like you have to choose being a Christian doesn't mean that you're hateful it just means that you love God you love God's truth but you also understand that sometimes that truth stands in contrast with the culture. Like for example, the Bible clearly states, you know, that human life has value. In our culture, life doesn't have value. We protect dolphins and kill babies. That's our culture. So we can't simply say, well, we're just going to embrace the culture. We're going to embrace God's word. And sometimes some truth in the Bible is not super comfortable. Like I went to the doctor and I go to the doctor regularly, you know, once in six months or something. And the kind of doctor I do not like is a dentist. No offense, I just do not like dentists. And they're good people, amazing people and those nurses as well because like they always tell me about the problems that I have. 
and I don't want to hear I want to have compliments not problems and so I would go up and I would go and I am I am blessed with good good teeth and so I would go to this um, dentist that I still go to and he might be listening so and I might be going to his office in two weeks so I need to be careful what I say I would go and you know he would say man you have no you don't need to have any feelings but your wisdom teeth we need to pull out your wisdom teeth and I said I oppose that I am against getting wisdom out of my life I want wisdom I don't want you to take wisdom I rebuke that in Jesus name he's like no I don't want to get wisdom out of your life I want to get wisdom teeth and I was like you know my dad still has his wisdom teeth so I am not going to let you take my wisdom teeth so six months and he's like man you gotta get those wisdom teeth I was like nope I knew you're gonna say that no I come back next time and he said there's a little infection beginning to build by one of your wisdom teeth I said nope the lie of the enemy I reject that <laughs> literally I didn't say that to him but I was like nope absolutely I'm not moving my wisdom teeth it doesn't hurt there if it's my policy if it doesn't hurt don't touch it I come back next time the nurse was there she's uh, cleaning my teeth and she's like oh yeah the infection is spreading she's like oh it's, it's just you know we've seen people uh, develop cancer in their bones in their mouth and we've seen stuff where they have to completely remove a lot of teeth not only wisdom teeth and she's talking like we're having a conversation and I was like woman you're scaring me she's like no I'm telling you the facts and I was like no these are not these are intimidation tactics and I was like okay I got it I will remove those wisdom teeth can you stop scaring me so you know I did not want to get those wisdom teeth but when I started to see the reports that it started to build up an infection only in one side I was like you know what it is what it is I got an appointment they had to surgically remove two of the wisdom teeth here and and they're like do you want to remove the ones on the top I was like I'm like do they have infection they're like no but once they do we'll have to do another surgery for your top I was like, honestly remove all of them if I have them somewhere in my toes as well remove them as well I'm like just just let's get all of this stuff out I, I was it comfortable absolutely not but I trust my doctor and I trust that nurse of course after two years <laughs> I'm stubborn like everybody else and um, and I got those wisdom teeth removed they put me on the, under anesthesia and then you know they had to sew stuff up and then they put certain uh, things where I couldn't touch with my tongue you know those corners of my teeth and it was not comfortable and for few first three four days I had to drink everything and eat everything through a straw and it was not comfortable but I am glad that that infection did not spread and that was prevented when you have certain truths in the Bible that you absolutely is like this doesn't make me feel good please understand God is not always interested in your immediate happiness sometimes in your well-being God is so much more interested that he will take you through a surgery by saying hey this is not right this is culture but it's not in the scripture do not conform to culture conform to the scripture amen, amen. Is, are you guys still with me are you gonna still come to church next week some are like wives are like oh yeah I'm bringing my husband that's for sure because this is hard for me I can only imagine how bad it's gonna be for him I'm just kidding okay number thing. five wife is a builder of home and I would like to uh, talk about this one actually wise woman builds her house not just her career now I understand that we have single moms that uh, have to work they have no other option they have to support their family for both for husband and wife and I'm sorry that you are in this situation and for you if there's no way around it 
you must do what you must do, okay? But the ideal is for a wife to stay home and raise her children. And what is the statistic when a mother actually doesn't send her kids to um, daycares and just goes to to work, but actually stays at home and raises her children? And we don't have any problem with daycare. Daycare is is a great thing. We do have daycares overcrowded in the United States. And we see statistically that if a child is raised by a stay-at-home parent, there is an increase in child school performance... There's less stress and aggression in the child's life. The parents feel greater involvement in the child's day-to-day life. Usually, the mothers would feel good about the choice that they made to stay home because they see the fulfillment of this child's life growing. And they have less stress about job. A lot of women, they have this pressure. Now, we're talking about right now women who can afford to stay home and whose husbands actually encourage them to stay home and to raise the children. Some people even homeschool their children but some women are pressured by the culture and they feel like no but I want to go and I want to compete. I want to win. I want to you know fulfill my career and sometimes I had these people who would come up and they're like no you know I want to be in a marketplace. I'd rather put my kids in a daycare. You know when I find out the kind of work they do where they're just literally stuck in a cubicle for eight hours and I'm like listen you're not building your career. You're building your boss's career. You're literally getting you from nine to five but at the same time you're not the one that's that's receiving a raise. You could have been raising a next generation and temporarily putting a pause on your career. Nothing wrong with building your career. That has its place but at the same time when you have an opportunity to have three little human beings that can be raised or two little human beings that need that attention and need that care this is so much greater in lasting effect than just simply punching in numbers in a spreadsheet and then having your kids being taken care of by daycares and we know stuff that happens sometimes there and we have people in our church who own daycares so we don't have a beef with daycares or anything but there are stuff that happens there and with some parents are like man I don't want and I'm not sure I want my kids to be there I want my kids to be raised by you know by me I want to have that care and that attention yeah and that way you're actually instilling the values and faith into your child since they are little instead of having someone do that for you okay or the culture they want you to leave your children for the government, for them to teach your children mm-hmm. and not you. And you go and you compete, you go and you work and, and then there's the husband that you want to, wants to split the bills and things like that. Mm-hmm. But honestly, guys, it's worth it for your uh, wife to stay home and build it's her possible. home if it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's, I would say even it, it's, it's better if you don't have a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but you invest in your children, then you make an extra buck and then your children lose at the end of the day. Okay. And so what does the Bible say? I would like to read, uh, Titus two, four. Okay. Then they can urge the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled and pure to stay busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the Word of God. Okay? And I want to read a comparison between the Word of God and the culture right now. The Bible teaches uh, young um, 
wives to love their husbands. The culture teaches them, you don't need a husband. You can do it by yourself. The Bible teaches to love your children. Culture says, my body, my choice. Abort the children. The Bible teaches to be self-controlled. Culture says, be wild. The Bible tells us to be pure. Culture, sexual autonomy. The Bible tells us to build your home. Culture says, get out of get out of the bondage of the homemaking. Mm. Bible says, be kind. Culture, woman, be mean, rude, and bitter. Bible teaches us to submit to your husbands. Culture tells us to rebel against authority. You know, my uh, my grandma had sixteen kids. She still is alive. Comes to our church, and uh, the, she's a powerful woman of God and she grew up during communism she grew up when the socialism that was in communism you know and a lot of our young people today think the socialism is a cute idea you should have you should ask my grandma they had no food the socialism um, it made people not have food basic necessities my grandma she raised 16 children who are all healthy who are all um, doing well, her doctors and people in her village said, you won't make it. Why are you keep having these children? You don't have nothing to provide for them. And even people called her irresponsible. And so he, she and my grandpa, you know, this is what the Lord put on their heart. And they had uh, this many children. They provided, God provided, God helped them. And they raised them, you know. And my mom, who when I was growing up, you know, was very fortunate. We didn't have a lot of money. Uh, my dad had to work outside and go to another country to work for a few months because it was times were very difficult in the Ukraine. And, but my dad, you know, did whatever he could so that we could be provided for so that my mom could stay and teach us the Bible, teach us those things. And, you know, I'm so grateful today, you know, she's able to um, work, you know, once we went to school, she started to work and everything and stuff. And so I really just want to kind of encourage that in our team, we encourage our team members that if you can, temporarily even um, you know maybe not have as much finances but the daycares are so expensive now that you are able to raise your family it's very important our children are important um, just kind of saying hey we give birth to them but we abandon them that is not a biblical way I know it goes contrary to the culture where everybody's trying to climb the corporate ladder but at the same time God wants us to build our homes God wants us to build our families God wants us to raise godly families if you are here today and you are a single mom um, or if you are if you're a single mom you're juggling two jobs probably and you know raising your kids I want to say man we're praying for you we're standing in the gap with you and I also want you to believe that God will send you a husband because it's not a hard it's not an easy easy work to do and I pray that God will send you a good man in Jesus name if you are here and you are a stay-home mom a statistic somebody did a statistic and they said that technically a stay-home mom is doing 10 jobs at the same time and she should be getting paid $115,000 a year from her husband <laughs> So husbands, I know you can't pay that, but just say thank you. <laughs> just, just be grateful. I know sometimes husbands would be like, man, what would you do all day? You know, I, you know, I still see a mess in the kitchen or anything and stuff. So because, you know, we, we measure everything by, you know, spreadsheets. And, but yeah. the, statistically, it says that they actually 
are juggling about 10 jobs and a lot of them are working average of 98 hours per week. It's the same thing as working 2.5 full-time jobs. And so if you are a stay-at-home mom, we love you. We appreciate you. We, we thank you for taking contrib making contribution to your children and to your family. And that God will bless you, especially those of you who are homeschooling. God bless you. God strengthen you. We are praying for you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you are blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe and send it to someone. And don't forget, you can always share it on your social stories. Stay connected with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information on internship, prayer line, conferences, and other resources, go to HungryGen.com. Remember, better is not good enough. The best is yet to come.